Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Beach and Company. I'm embarrassed, Tony. I'm embarrassed. I'm going to have to explain to gold medal winner Emily Regan why I had to give up my rowing career. Finally, I realized one day, and I was doing really well, I realized one day that I don't know how to swim. And if you don't know how to swim, it's not a good idea to be a rower. Drowning during the competition is not encouraged. Hang in there. Emily's next. So the first question I will ask you is, do you know how to swim, Emily? Uh, yes, I do. You do? <laughs> That's very good. I'm telling you, you know, there are seven radio stations here, and we get famous people and famous athletes and whatever. There is such a buzz about you being here uh, today. Everybody wants a picture with you. Everybody wants to talk to you. And I think it's uh, you, you brought a lot of pride back along with that gold medal, which, by the way, weighs a lot your neck must be uh, like bent in a u-form everybody wants to see it and, and you said check this out now i have a question about the gold medal when you left rio did you put it in your carry-on or did you check it with baggage uh, it was definitely in my carry-on <laughs> <laughs> now normally i would ask how somebody gets uh, put your headphones on if you would okay. i would normally uh, ask somebody how they got involved with the sport they're in now what influenced them uh, but your mother, Barb, kind of tipped me off. Uh, she she got me a very rare recording oh, no. of you as a very little girl. Tony, would you roll that, please? This is uh, from your mother, Barb. This is how you became a roar. This is very nice, too. It's heartwarming. I'm tugging at my heartstrings now. That's her at the uh, at the instrument, at the piano. Very nice. Now, I think you come in. Yeah, no, I'm not a good singer, so that's definitely not me. You start with this, you end up with a gold medal. I think, but I, I think somebody else comes in. Maybe it's your brother Will. There's Will <laughs> encouraging his sister to take up a career in rowing. No, I think uh, my brother Jim is oh, the good singer is, in the family. Is Jim the so, good one? Yeah, that it, probably was Jim and Kelly, and not. We were <laughs> watching. We were watching you uh, as all of Western New York was uh, during breakfast. We actually had breakfast, and I'm sure we were a lot calmer than uh, than you were. Uh, uh, let me ask you some basic questions. First of all. How do you get interested in rowing? Um, did your mother take you in a canoe one day and said, oh, this will be fun. I ought to follow this up. Um, I actually wasn't interested in rowing. Uh, so I went to Michigan State for college. And at our orientation program, my mom talked to some of the rowers at an activities fair. And um, 
I just remember the rest of the summer, my mom bugging me and bugging me and bugging me, <laughs> telling me I should row. Uh, and I kept telling her, no, no, no. But when I got to Michigan State, I was roomed blind with a girl who's five feet tall uh, and I'm six foot two. And so in rowing, we have a coxswain who's a little person right. and they steer the boat and do um, some technical things. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm tall, which is a perfect size for a rower. And so together we went and tried out and it was sort of over time that I was like, okay, like maybe I'll stick with this. I was wondering, <laughs> being six two and being tall, uh, I didn't know what, is it your legs, your arms, your core? What's, uh, what, what really has to be in, in top physical condition to be a rower? Um, well, it's actually a whole body workout, but I think most people's, uh, perception is that rowing is an upper body sport. It's actually primarily legs like that's where the main burn and pain is going to come from when you're in the middle of a race um but your oar is in the water and you're using your arms and your core to leverage the uh the pressure that you're putting on the oar through your legs um and so it is the whole body but primarily legs now your team uh i mean uh, two world championships uh, in eight one world championship in four uh, hadn't been beaten in 10 years. Uh, everybody's looking. Uh, there's a lot of pressure uh, to repeat. Uh, yeah, what was uh, what was the pressure on the actual people who were in the boat? I mean, did you feel any or did you think, hey, this is ours. Let's go out and get it. Uh, I think kind of a combination. Uh, I actually was so nervous the few days leading up to racing. Um, we sent three boats from the group of girls that I train with and all three boats had metal potential. Um, and so watching our teammates not have the performances they want and not metal was, um, it was really hard to watch your teammates having that kind of disappointment at their Olympic games. Um, and so I feel like that actually helped make me more nervous, but we're also super fortunate. We have the most talented, amazing, awesome, girls that we train with all year and so when you finally make it into the boat um you just have so much confidence in the girls you're racing with so it's like okay let's go out and do this like we can do this but it's also i mean you don't want to like let this tradition slip because oh, it's yeah. pretty special now you have to qualify obviously to get in the boat as you just said so you're qualifying against uh, people that later you may be in the same boat with uh, uh is that tough you're you're against them and then all of a sudden your teammates uh, it's not tough to transition as teammates. The tough part is competing against each other all the time. Um, I mean, I, I, well, I've rarely won pieces because there's so many talented girls, but you do well enough and you're high enough in the group that you can make it into the eight. But, um, yeah, it's so stressful throughout the year competing against the girls. Um, and so when you do make it into one of the boats, that's one of the things that's most rewarding is getting to compete with your teammates. So that we learn more about rowing, uh, is it all in the synchronization? I mean, you got the right people in the right physical condition. Is it all in making sure everybody's doing the same thing at the same time? Uh, a lot of it has to do with that. A lot of it has to do with how your blade is going in the water and how exactly you're applying the pressure onto the blade face as it presses against the water. Wow. Um, but it also is a lot to do with conditioning and fitness. And as rowers, we do a, a lot of training and a lot of aerobic work to help build our aerobic base so that 
um, I mean, if you watch our race, we were actually down through the thousand, um, but it was the second half of the race where we walked away, and that is a lot to do with fitness. You were in the front of the boat, right? The, weren't you the first one? Yeah, I was in the bow. Uh, yeah. The, okay. Well, use the nautical, throw <laughs> nautical terms on well, me. Well, because to me, I, I, I think of myself as the back of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I can say is we were glad you were there because we knew you were there because you were the first one to cross the finish line. Think about it. You were the first one in the first boat. Uh, so and and you're you're easy to spot because of your hair. So here we were watching this on a gigantic screen, and uh, like crazy people, we're yelling our brains out and our cereals falling on the floor and stuff <laughs> like that. But you had support back here. We'll be back uh, with more. Yes, she has a gold medal, and she brought it with us. Uh, she brought it with her to uh, show off. Now, Tony, you had your picture taken with her. I saw that. And uh, she's six foot two, Tony. Yeah, I had to stand on my tippy toes <laughs> to try to make it uh, a little bit better, and I've already posted it. <laughs> I think uh, after she described what you have to go through, I think we're going to uh, drop the plans for our intercom <laughs> rowing team. Oh, oh we're going to have to give it up. I'm okay. sorry. We'll be back no. with more with Emily Regan, gold medal winner after this. We're with Emily Regan. Uh, she is a gold medal winner in the women's rowing eight and uh, terrific, bringing the gold back to Western New York now. I hate to do this to you, Emily, and I didn't tell you I was going to, but your mother gave me some questions to ask you. Oh, did she? Yeah, she really <laughs> did. Okay, first of all, here's the first question. Did you date Ryan Lochte while you were there? You know, someone last night actually asked if I broke up with him after everything <laughs> that went down. <laughs> so the answer is no? Yeah, no. no the answer is no. Okay. Did you get home early? Uh, did you go to the Olympic Village uh, early? I mean, did you get home, you weren't out carousing. In Rio. Uh, well, I'd, I'd She's tried hesitating. to do it. <laughs> Did you notice that, Barb? She is hesitating. All right. I tried to take in everything I could about the Olympic experience. What? Tell us about the Olympic Village. That's where the athletes stay, obviously. Uh, there had to be mega excitement. Here are, there's Usain Bolt and the biggest <laughs> names in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, in sports all in one place at one time. I guess even if you're a gold medal athlete, that's got to be a little awe-inspiring. Uh, I think when you first walk around and you're like, oh, my God, that's Usain Bolt. Yeah, like, exactly. Just right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a little, uh, yeah, a little awe-inspiring, like you sure. said. But as you as the time goes on and you're at the village longer, it's just, you know, everyone's an elite athlete, the top of their sport, sure. competing at the Olympic Games. So everybody... As, as much as there's, like, some people that have a lot of the media on them and, you know, Usain Bolt's the fastest man in the world and Michael Phelps has, like, 20-whatever yeah. medals from the Olympic Games now, um, it, it's just cool to be in a place that's so many elite athletes. Is it totally self-contained? In other words, uh, it, it, can you eat there and uh, rest there and do everything, or do you have to uh, leave the uh, area? In other words, is the Olympic Village totally self-contained? It is, yeah. And what about, uh, what about security? Because I know it, it was uh, tight, but uh, was it, uh, were you aware of the security down there? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the village, there there's scanners to go through, and like at the airport or whatever, and they're they're definitely set higher because I would try and walk through with a sweater on, and the zipper would set it off. Oh wow! <laughs> um, and so you have to scan your bags every time you come in. You have to get your um, accreditation, which is basically what gets you into your venue and all these different places. You get that scanned every time you go into the village. Um, and so 
there's that side. And then there was also the Brazilian military around um, walking around inside the village. There were um, military guys walking around inside our venue at the Lagoa. And also sometimes even guys in the military sitting in a big boat watching the water and so making they were, sure you're safe. Yeah, They were everywhere, and you, and you felt confident and comfortable, so yes. you didn't have to think about that. Uh, and I'm only being half funny on this one. I know if we go to Toronto and we come back, uh, we go to U.S. Customs, and they say, did you buy a bottle of wine? Huh? Uh, what happens when you leave Rio and now suddenly you're at U.S. Customs and they say, do you have anything to declare? Now, I just, <laughs> I just lifted that medal and one would, one would think that, oh, yes, I, I have this little t- uh, trinket from the Olympics. What, what do you tell customs with that? Uh, well, so when we came back, yeah. um, well, before we left, everyone on Team USA went through team processing in Houston. And so uh, everyone from oh, the I U.S. See. team flew in and out of Houston. And so they had it set up so that when we came back, there was a special line that all of the athletes could go through because there were a ton of athletes on on flights for two days leaving after the games. Uh, And so I don't think they asked if I had anything to declare this time around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, did you meet any people from other countries that you struck up a a friendship with, had a little maybe lunch with or talk to, or or did the the athletes mainly stay within their own realm? Uh, No, I think people uh, definitely interact, especially after competition. Uh, one day, I walked into lunch, and my teammates were sitting with Dana Vollmer, the Olympic swimmer. Oh, cool. Um, That's cool. And, I mean, for us, being at the Olympics is pretty nice because you get to spend a lot more time after racing with the people, the rowers from other countries. And, you know, you meet them at the World Championships, and you interact with them a little bit. But at World Championships, you leave, like, our. we usually have to leave the hotel at, like, 4 in the morning after racing. Um, and so... There's not much time to spend with everybody. But at the Olympics, we were there for about nine or ten days after racing, and that afforded us the opportunity to enjoy time with the other athletes. On competition day, do you wish it was earlier? Get it done, get it, earn that medal, and then get to breathe and go out and enjoy the ambiance? I'm not sure I would want it any earlier. Um, 11 a.m. is pretty early for a race, and so, I mean, we actually left the village probably around 5.40 the morning of our race. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah. so we went down and we rode uh, just a really quick row before our race. And that's something that I love because it calms my nerves. Uh, and then you can get a quick breakfast or whatever you need to make sure that you're fueled for the race. You know how you can make a couple extra bucks? Down at Canal Side, they have <laughs> a, a body of water and they charge like a lot of people just to take a bicycle across that small strip. If you just bring a boat down there. Sit them you know, in there and roam yeah, across. Who, who would not <laughs> want to go across with a, a gold medal winner? Now, I, I, I want to leave you with one thought, and I'm sure you've thought this, okay? You're a very young person. For the rest of your life, you're going to have that moment when you were standing on the podium and they were playing the national anthem, and you had that medal around your neck, knowing nobody in the world is better than we are right now. Uh, isn't that a, an overwhelming moment? Uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> there's people pumping their arms yeah. for us here. Uh, I mean, just even not just on the medal stand, but just right when we crossed the finish line, I, I mean, it. I started crying. I, you just are, I was overwhelmed with just excitement and happiness, but also just flooded with the memories of everything I'd been through to get there. And 
I, I mean, I went through a couple of really tough years leading up to the games. Uh, I mean, one specific year, but to come to overcome the adversities that you face and then realize that you're like, you just crossed the finish line at the Olympic games and you're going to get a gold medal. Um, it's, I mean, I'm getting chills talking about it right now because it's, it's something uh, I'm always going to cherish. And, and it's never going to go away, ever. It's there. I'll always have chills. Forever and ever and ever. Did <laughs> uh, your family full of athletes? I know your brother played at UB, and we used to follow his, uh, his career, your brother Will. Uh, are there athletes in your whole family? Uh, yes. So my sister, she's the oldest, Kelly. Uh, she was actually a Buffalo News Player of the Year her senior year at Nichols. Oh, really? Um, and she went on to play basketball at Manhattan College and oh. Riverdale up in the Bronx. And then there's me, who I just kind of surprised everybody <laughs> came out of the woodworks this year. And I row, obviously, I guess. <laughs> and your mother could play in the WNBA. She's tall enough. Yeah. So I don't know that she, she'd have to be a point guard, though, probably. <laughs> um, and then my brother, Jim, uh, he also played basketball, and he played for Damon. Well, I cannot tell you, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to tell you, we are so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Go get him, baby. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 